0: Is your living hope right now i dare you to just lift up a praise in your living room i dare you to lift up a praise lift up your hands and just worship him call upon the name of jesus he is worthy god a living hope yes you are yes you are
1: And God bless you on this glorious resurrection day. It has been quite a week. And you know, as we listen to some of the news and some of the reports, we were expecting just calamity after calamity after calamity. But thanks be to God that as his people prayed, we saw a lessening. Of what was being told to us. We see. Oh changes taking place. And it's because prayers. Are going up. All throughout this planet. Players. Prayers are going up. And just asking God. For intervention. So we thank God for that. This being. What we call. Us believers we call it our holy week. And we know that Wednesday. We had Passover and, um, you know, the where, where the Jewish people, they just remember that time in Egypt when, you know, the the angel of death just passed them by. And Pastor Jay and I were talking about it uh, this week and we were saying, you know, what would be a good thing? We don't we don't have the blood of a lamb to put on our doorposts to ward off anything that is not of God. But, you know, we have anointed oil. And so I was telling my husband, you know what? We should encourage the church. If you don't have any anointed oil, you know what? Get some oil, pray over it and bless it. Keep it aside and use it to just cover the doorposts in your home. Just put it on the doorpost, put it on the windowsill and just pray a blessing over your home to guard it and keep it. I think that's, that, that's a good way for us to remember Passover. We know that they also celebrated a cedar meal. And you know, Pastor Jay and I, one time we went to a cedar meal. It was maybe like four hours long. You know, we, we'd never been to one. We didn't know what it was going to be like. But I appreciate having done that. And this week I was able to watch it. As, as it was done and all I could see throughout the meal was Jesus. In every aspect of the meal, it was Jesus. And the, the one aspect of the meal that really called my attention was the third cup. So they drink four cups and the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. That was just, yes, the cup of redemption where Christ came and he purchased me back. He took me back from what the enemy had stolen from the Garden of Eden, that cup of redemption. And then they, they spoke of the matzah. And you know how I, I went in and I started researching on the matzah, fascinated by this. And so the matzah is unleavened bread. And so, the only ingredients that you can put in matzah, I mean, they, they can put other things like olive oil and salt, but the, the two main ingredients are flour and water. And then so um, when they're going to cook the matzah bread or the matzah cracker, it has to be mixed quickly and it has to be put on fire quickly so that it doesn't rise. And one of the things that I just saw Jesus through was the fact that in the matzah bread, or the matzah cracker, however you want to call it, they actually have to pierce all along the bread, pierce it so that the heat could get in quickly and cook it quickly. And all I saw was the piercing of the body of Jesus. See, this is why we have to know our word. So we're able to make these connections. And then it spoke how, you know, they had these three matzah crackers. And they would take out the middle one, the second one, which I saw, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they would take out the second one. And they would break it. You know, they would break it in half, which I didn't do a great job of doing but they would break it in half and half of the matzah was put away because it was considered, you know, the hidden mystery. See, and I, I I just saw Christ and I saw our redemption and I saw the plan of God all through that cedar meal. I was like, thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be able to see it from the beginning to the end. You know, everything that God wants us to know and understand, he teaches it to us. And he teaches it in a way that we are able to understand it and capture it with these finite minds. We capture these teachings of the word. And it, it's, it's just glorious. So we are going to have holy communion today. So if you hadn't had a chance to grab some elements, you have that moment now, grab something. If you don't have matzah at home, grab a cracker. You know, we're, we're going to substitute today. If you don't have grape juice, grab whatever you have, and we're going to substitute. But we are going to just do Holy Communion. Pastor Jay is going to take us through it, and we're going to absolutely have a time Of breaking bread with the Lord. Isn't that glorious? Breaking bread with the Lord. So on Friday, we concluded with Jesus on the cross. The death of Jesus on the cross. And we know that that place was called Golgotha in Latin. Calvary, which is the place of the skull, where criminals were crucified. Not just any criminal, not not petty criminals, but these were considered capital crimes. Those who had committed capital crimes were then sent to Calvary. And so we know from reading the gospel, the gospel which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, That Mark says that over Jesus' head was written, the king of the Jews. And Luke says that over Jesus' head it was written, king of the Jews. And John says that over his head was written, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. And so... It was was written in three languages, in Hebrew and in Latin and in Greek. So you might see those little variations, but they all saying one thing. King of the Jews. Jesus. Whether they did not want to acknowledge him like that, that is who he was. That is who he was. Our king. In John chapter 10... Verses 17 and 18. John 10, 17 and 18. Jesus said, and I'm going to read from the Passion Translation because lately that's the translation that I've been leaning toward. But it says, for this reason, the Father loves me. This is Jesus speaking. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. Jesus, willing to sacrifice himself on our behalf. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but always during Holy Week, I love to watch movies on the life of Christ. Just love to do that. And every single time I watch these movies that I may have seen hundreds of times. When it gets to that part of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, I always say the same thing. Judas, turn around and stop. Don't do this. When I see the trials, I say, Oh Lord, let somebody stand up in his defense and stop this. When I see the first hand being rise, risen, actually raised to strike him, I say, Lord, please don't let this happen. And I want it to stop. If you watch movies, you know, you know what I mean. Like, you know what's going to happen and you want to change the script. And so when I watch this, I want to change the script because I know that Jesus didn't deserve to go through everything that he did. I was supposed to have suffered that. You were supposed to have suffered that. I was supposed to have been on that cross. You were supposed to have been on that cross. I should have suffered through all the pain, the agony, and the mocking. But yet Jesus did it on my behalf. And so every time I watch that, It reminds me of the great gift that God has given me. And for me not to waste my life, not acknowledging every single day that he is my savior and my Lord and my king. I want to see Jesus in the three dimensions. We've been talking about this. If you've been following us, we've been talking about the three dimensions of Jesus where people see him in the gospel as savior. And then we can see him as as our, our Lord when we're willing to surrender our lives to him and live for him. This is how you know when he is the Lord of your life, when you're willing to surrender your life to him. That every single day you're saying, God, how can I honor you today? How can I reflect you today? And yes, we're going to make mistakes. And yes, we're going to trip. And many times we're going to fall. But we have learned through this walk, through this Christian walk, that we get up, we shake ourselves off, we pray to the Lord for his, you know, for his forgiveness, and we keep on going because this walk and this journey is not done until the Lord says so. It's a wonderful way to live our lives. I want to read some verses out of the book of Matthew, chapter 27. So if you have your Bibles or if you're looking at it on, you know, um, online, just we're going to Matthew, chapter 27. I love to read the scripture. I love a living word. So as I look at the word, I see it in color. See, I can smell it. I can sense it. I can touch it. It's a living word. So for people that say, you know, this word is dead, it's stale, it's dry. You have not read what I read. You haven't read it. You haven't had the opportunity to experience the living word of God. So every single time that you're going to read the word, you need to call the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, come, sit with me as I read your word. Give me revelation on what you're teaching me. Give me revelation on who you are. This is how we read the word. And so I'm reading out of Matthew chapter 27, and I'm going to start in verse 51. Okay? Verse 51. And we read in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. At that moment... The veil in the holy of holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook violently, rocks were split apart, and graves were opened. Then many of the holy ones who had died were brought back to life and came out of their graves. And after Jesus' resurrection, they were plainly seen by many people walking in Jerusalem. Verse 54, when the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly this was the son of God. Now when the centurion when the Roman military officer and his soldiers witnessed what was being said, what was happening, and felt the powerful earthquake, they were extremely terrified. They said, there is no doubt this man was the son of God. I love the way the passion translates that last verse. Truly, this was the Son of God. I am always so taken by the centurions that are registered in the Word. He says, These are men that are Roman soldiers, Roman brought up, reared, you know, Roman. They're Roman, and yet they're able to see and acknowledge what is coming from God. And so I, I'm always fascinated with them. And, and this scene, you know, where Jesus is on that cross. He's on that cross after spending a whole night of trial after trial after trial. He's on that cross from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 p.m. And the scripture says that the whole land was dark. During that time. And so these centurions who, who, the centurion who was charged with supervising the soldiers that are keeping control and watch of this whole execution are seeing everything that's happening. They're seeing, you know, those that are mocking him in the crowd. They're seeing his mother weeping and crying with other women and with John. They're seeing what's going on on the cross as a debate, you know, political debates happen everywhere, even on the cross. There's a debate going on between these men, and they're watching all of this. They see the darkening of the sky. They know what time it is, and they're hearing the words of a convicted criminal who only speaks of love, only speaks of love. Now, I didn't didn't get to tell you what the title of today's message is. I, I totally forgot to tell you what it is. But the title of the message today is There is a Shaking Going On. There is a Shaking Going On. And so the scripture speaks to us of these shakings. And, you know, while this is happening at Golgotha, at Calvary, things are happening at the temple because a shaking was coming on. And so as, as this is happening, there are people in the temple that don't realize all the events that are taking place. But yet the scripture tells us that at that moment that Jesus is dying, the veil that is covering the Holy of Holies tears from top to bottom. And you might say, well, that's not a big thing. You know, curtains, curtains are torn all the time. This is not your typical curtain. This was a veil that was 60 feet high and four inches deep so that no light would penetrate the holy of holies. And so no one could see What was going on in the Holy of Holies. Only the high priest once a year went into that area. And he would go into that area. And he didn't even see that well. Because you know what? There was smoke in there. And so he couldn't see as clearly as you and I are looking right now. The furnishings in the Holy of Holies. No one saw the furnishings. Just the high priest. And so here... You know, when I see this scene, remember I'm talking about the living word? I see just the finger of God just going straight down that 60-foot veil, splitting it in two, giving access to everyone who was in that temple to see the mystery of the Holy of Holies. You know, Spurgeon... I took this quote out from Spurgeon because I thought it was so appropriate for today. And it says, it is not a slight rent, which we may see a little, but it is rent from the top to the bottom. There is an entrance made for the greatest sinners. If there had only been a small hole cut through it, the lesser offenders might have crept through. But what an act of abounding mercy is this, that the veil is rent in the mist and rent from top to bottom so that the chief of sinners may find ample passage. See what that says there? It says the chief of sinners. Paul referred to himself that way, that he was a chief of sinners. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as a chief of sinners? Because God made a way for you. He made a way for every single one of us to have access to him. You know, when when Moses first had those those encounters with God, one of the things we know is that his face then was, was hidden by a veil because it was so bright. And so that area of the Holy of Holies, was called the veil of the covering. The veil of the covering. And through that that veil, we could now see the mercy seat. The mercy seat where Jesus, as the Lamb of God, the purest of sacrifices... You couldn't just sacrifice any old thing. You couldn't, you know, look at what you had at home and say, well, I'm going to give God, you know what, the lamb that is the one that doesn't produce anything, I'm going to give for a sacrifice this year, the lamb that's, you know, a little limp, a little wrinkled, a little bruised, that's the one I'm going to give. What kind of an offering do you give God on a regular basis? I pray that you give him the best of what you have. And so they had to give the best Because that was the example of what was going to be the best sacrifice, the best lamb. And that was Jesus. There was no one like him. There would never be anyone like him. He is the lamb of God. We read in Matthew and it spoke about these earthquakes. And so we're seeing here, if you read the gospel, you see two earthquakes that happen. Two. The first one is at the cross. And the second one is on the day of resurrection. We see these two. And so, did a little research, and I found in more than one site, an article about a geologist by the name of Jefferson Williams. And he's from the Supersonic Geophysical um, German Research Center. And what they did is they, they went to uh, the Middle East and they studied soil samples from the beach of Engedi, next to the Dead Sea. And what they found was that there were deep layers of soil that showed them that two earthquakes had taken place during 26 AD and 36 AD. This is where they narrowed it down. And I said, thank you, God, because when we don't cry out, when we keep silent, the rocks cry out on our behalf. And that we found in Luke chapter 19. It tells us when we don't speak out, when we don't cry out, when we don't stand up for Christ, when we don't take a position of holiness, you know what? The rocks are going to come. The centurions are going to come who have never experienced what we have experienced in Christ. They're going to come and say, you know what? That's a God thing. You know what? That's a miracle. You know what? Only one that could do this was God. They're going to come and put us to shame if we as the church... Do not stop being silent and for once take a position of holiness. The scripture tells us that on the day of resurrection, women went to complete the anointing of the body of Christ. They didn't have much time when he came down from the cross. And so they had to, put off some of the anointing they wanted to do on his body. They had to put it off. And so on resurrection day, they come to the tomb. Well, well, let's go before that. Let's go before that. Before that, because I don't want to forget about the saints that came up. (laughs) And so we read in the beginning of the chapter how at the death of Christ, the earth was shaken, right? The tombs were opened, tombs opened, and saints, people that had died in the knowledge and the fear of God, came back to life. How do you like that? They came back to life. And you know, if you read a lot of the materials that were written during that time period, you're going to find one thing that they didn't have, they didn't have fake news. They didn't have the technology that we have today, but they had no fake news. So at no point, any of the scholarly writings do we find anything written that this did not take place, that this was a lie, that this was brought up and you know this whole conspiracy thing about Jesus. None of that was written because too many eyewitnesses had seen and had spoken to and had testified on the resurrection of these saints. I'm not talking about reincarnation because the scripture tells us that it is afforded to each and every one of us once to live and once to die. So it's not about reincarnation. There is no reincarnation in the scripture. What we find is resurrection. And each one of these saints that came to life again after being shaken, they came back, I am sure, telling stories of what they had experienced at the bosom of Abraham. They came back telling experiences and they didn't live forever. They also died again. See, and so as we, as we look at, the, at these experiences and these events of these earthquakes, something great happened in the midst of them. So the first earthquake, Jesus dies, the graves are shaken. You're talking about rocks the, because these, these uh, graves were not like we bury people today on the ground. These were tombs. Hewn out of stone. And so this, this earth had to have shaken to such an extent that these tombs opened up. And people came out. He gave us the preview of that with Lazarus. Right? Where we saw Lazarus coming out of the tomb. And so here, this great event happens. And it propels us into the resurrection day where another Earthquake takes place when the women go to uh, the place of the tomb. And it tells us that while the women were there, they didn't understand what was happening. They, They didn't understand. they like, what's going on here? And an angel of the Lord begins to explain to them that Jesus has resurrected. He's shaking things up. If, you know, you've had to have been in a coma or something not to know that there's a shaking going on in the last couple of weeks across the whole world. And I truly believe that God is giving us once again, he's giving us an opportunity to shake, he's shaking us to shake off those things which are not going to have us rapture ready, shaking it. You know, yesterday I was, I was making a cake. After I pour some of the mixture into each pan, I started doing this to it. You know? I started shaking them because I wanted them to even out in the pan, so I'm shaking them. And as I'm doing that, I'm thinking of today's message. And I'm saying, wow, Lord, you have to shake us up to get us in line so that we become this perfect mixture. See, everything in your life, you can connect it back to God. Everything. Everything even from eating a slice of pizza. Let's talk about the pizza for a minute. I'm, I'm off, but I'm giving you an example. You know how you get a slice of pizza right on the metal? They, p- they give it to you right on that metal uh, pizza tray or pizza pan. While you keep it connected on that pizza plan, pan, it stays hot. The minute you take that slice off and put it on your, on your plate, it cools down. But the pizza that's on the pan, it's, it's hotter than the one that's in your plate. See? And so God is shaking us up. Church, he's shaking us up. Because we need to get ourselves in line. This is the love of God that is so deep and so great. That he continues to try to work with us. To the very last minute. And so we as church having knowledge and having access to his word, a prophetic word, because the Bible is a prophetic book. And if we could look at that Bible and realize how many things have come to pass, we understand that everything that Jesus has told us will happen is coming to pass. Get yourselves in line. Develop a relationship with Jesus. One, one of the things that has changed in social media in the last couple of weeks is that we're seeing more believers that are actually putting something on the social media related to God. But just the other day, I told my husband, well, look at here. It's starting to creep up again where we begin to put silly things on social media that don't benefit anyone. Church. Shake it off. Don't fall back into the old patterns of this world. But be renewed. Let your mind be renewed by the word of God. And so don't fall back into those patterns. But move forward into the newness that God has for us. Those of us that are not not part of the church, you're getting shaken as well. Because the scripture tells us that when God blesses us, Everything that he blesses us the church with, you know what? Those that are not part of the body of Christ, they wind up receiving also the blessings that we do. We get up every morning and we see the sun and that we're blessed and he's blessing us all, the righteous and the unrighteous. So you're getting shaken during this time as well to tell you, listen, shake from these patterns that you have in your life that give you nothing. Be renewed in the power of a living God. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. This is where where I'm going to end today. I want to read Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 26 through 28. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 through 28. And it says, At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates The removal of things that are shaken, that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. Acceptable worship with reverence and with awe. We are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Everything else will be shaken and removed. But God is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and He will reign eternally. I want to be a part of that kingdom that reigns eternally with my Lord. And if you want that today, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says it so clearly. This, This is not some mathematical equation or anything that's difficult to wrap your hands around. But look what it says. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Look how simple. Look how simple. And so today I'm going to tell you, you can pray this for yourself. And as you're sitting in your home, and you're listening to this word, take a moment. If you want Jesus to be your savior, and you want him to be your Lord, and you want him to be your king. You're going to repeat these words with me as Pastor Jay gets ready for Holy Communion. Repeat these words with me. I confess, Jesus, that you are Lord. I ask you to forgive me, Of all my sins. I ask you O Lord. To help me. Draw closer to you. And I believe. With all of my heart. That you were born. That you lived. That you died for me. You resurrected for me. And that one day. I will be with you. For all eternity. Thank you God. For what you are giving me. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Now I'm going to encourage you. We're not able to get together like we would like to. But fill yourselves up with the word of God. Go to the book of the gospel. And read every day a little. And get to know Jesus. Get to know your savior. And once You know, this quarantine that we're we're running with is down. Run, run, run to a church, a church that is going to teach you the word of God. Run to a body of Christ that is going to help you in this walk. So be blessed in Jesus' name. I pray blessings over all of you. Amen. Pastor Jay.
0: So we're going to invite you right now in your homes to take hold of the elements. As Margie had given instruction at the beginning. um, You could get a hold of a a cracker, a matzah, a piece of bread, whatever you have. And if you have some grape juice, then this is the time for you to um, take a hold of that as well. If you don't have grape juice, whatever you find. What matters most is not so much the contents of these elements, but what they represent. And so I'm going to start differently this morning because sometimes we get into the ceremonial verses, first Corinthians chapter 11. Um, and, uh, and we begin, uh, normally with verse 23, but I want to go, I want to start with verse 27. And the reason being is because sometimes these practices that, that the Lord has instituted for us to, to follow, uh, they lose their meaning and they lose their sacredness because we don't have a full understanding of what it is that we partake in. And so sometimes we make it so lethargical, so, such a, a common practice in our public gatherings that people take them without having a full knowledge of what is it that they are partaking. So I'm going to start with verse twenty seven. First Corinthians chapter eleven verse twenty seven says whoever whosoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in any unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person therefore examine himself, then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning, the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have even died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Now, the purpose of these verses are not to discourage you from taking or partaking of the Lord's communion. The purpose of these verses are actually to bring you to a place of preparedness so that as you partake of the Lord's communion, you would have an understanding that this is not just a ceremony like many would consider it, but there's something spiritual in what we're doing that if we do it with the right understanding, it brings life. If we do it without properly understanding, it could actually affect us physically and even end up in death. Now, the purpose that the Lord says that many fall ill and some have died is simply because they didn't take the time to examine themselves. And so they fell under the judgment of God and God in his love, sometimes he will discipline us. To such extremes because he loves us. It doesn't mean that they were not saved. It simply means that because they didn't examine themselves, they fell under the judgment of God. And God in his love wanting to save them, he either took them home or he allows a a sickness to fall upon him. So I want to take this opportunity right now. Just take a moment. Say, Holy Spirit, as I sit here with my family, I invite you to examine me. And if you find anything in me that is not pleasing to God, that would cause me to partake of such of such a sacred ceremony, but not actually understanding the reverence and the sacredness that it entails, then I ask you right now to reveal it to me. And as you reveal it to me, I ask you to forgive me. Wash me with your blood. Forgive my sins. Make me prepared. Make me not only aware, but make me prepared so that as I partake of these elements... I would do it in a way that it would be honoring to you, that it would be pleasing to you, and that it would bring about deliverance, freedom, healing to my body, to my spirit, to my soul. In Jesus' name, we pray that. Amen and amen. Now that you have allowed the spirit to examine you and you've examined yourself and you have confessed whatever issue you might have had that would in a way make you take this in an unworthy matter, now you are ready to partake of the Lord's cup and of the Lord's bread. So I'm going to invite you right now as you take a hold of this which represents the body. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. You do this in remembrance of me. You may partake of the bread. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this is, or this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. You may partake of the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so as we conclude today, and as we partake of these elements and, 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 and we, we celebrate this amazing ceremony that's really connected with the events that we're celebrating this week, the death and the resurrection of Christ, I pray that the Lord would baptize us with a spirit of fear, fear of God, meaning a spirit of reverence to God that's from this, from this moment forward, as we continue to live this life and travel this journey in the faith that we have embraced and that has embraced and saved us, that we would always be reminded that God is holy, that the sacrifice of Christ is holy, that it changed the course of, of, of history, but more than that, it changed the course of our lives. And so may we live the rest of our lives? just in reverence of that holy God, fearing him, doing the things that he has called us to do. And as we do so, we not only remember his death, but we proclaim his coming. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's just finish this service singing to the Lord. Join Josh as he leads us in this song. And with this, we will conclude our service. We do invite you to join us Wednesday night. We will be once again on Facebook Live, bringing you a word of encouragement. Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Be blessed.
1: The cross has the fine word.
0: The cross has the fine word. Sorrow may come in the darkest night, but the cross has the fine word. The cross has the fine word. The cross has the final word. Evil may put up its strongest fight. The cross has the final word.